You are now listening to Double Jump Radio. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 67 of Double Jumper Radio. I'm your host Abia and I'm joined once again by my co-host John. John, how are you my friend? Not bad. Getting my ass kicked by hay fever the last couple of weeks. This week hasn't been much better. But uh, yeah, otherwise pretty chilled out I guess. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, um, no hay fever yet. Touch wood. I mean, the fir- today is officially the first day of spring as we are recording it, so we'll see what happens. Um, but no, just uh, yeah, uh, it's some some good things happening in in the personal life. So um, really, it's it's I'm in a good place right now, which I think even a few months ago I wasn't. So I'm very very grateful for you know uh, the people around me, the support that I have, um, you know, both at home and at work that. Uh, kind of got me, got me to, uh, got me through the past few months and onto better things. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited uh, for for what's to come. Uh, I got it. Um, I got because of what happened, because of the good news at work. It means that I've got the okay from the missus. We've reached a deal where I can order a new camera, like a digital camera, which I haven't done. My like my uh, digital cameras from like eleven years ago, so it's. <laughs> Which is an eternity in camera technology, so uh, I'm excited to, I guess, be taking photos again. So, yeah, yeah, uh, especially with like yep. in-person events coming back. So, who knows? Maybe we can a- actually have like a a crew of double jumpers walking around show floors and stuff. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, that all, that all sounds great. Yeah, it's something we've always wanted to do, but just logistically never worked out. But it's like you know what? Let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but no, I, I've been uh, I, I'm I'm super excited to talk about some of the news this week. So, uh, why don't we uh move on and talk about some of the the articles that went up over the past week first? John, the the first article that went up over the past week was Ethan's uh, Xenoblade Chronicles three review. Uh, it's um, I think it seems like it's a, it's a great follow up. Yeah, it's like Ethan echoed a lot of what I've heard and seen mm. from reviews um, since it released. It's like very much, I think, which is like still kind of a surprise to me. Not <laughs> that the first two games are like bad or have any bad. I mean, the second game has some lingering issues just in a few places uh but it's like i know the fact that it like got, it came out with such like tremendous reviews like you know uh like critical consensus is like mm. surprising to me so yeah just to kind of go over ethan's review a little bit i like, kind of mentions uh, kind of discusses how it kind of combines aspects of the first and the second games sometimes literally um the combat <laughs> system is very dense um, but it's ultimately very rewarding if you put the time into it. Mm. Um, the characters are like the cast is very strong. I think he says it's like better than the last two games, the previous two games. Um, it's quite big, but it's also like very um, even in mm. how it's kind of you know gives time to each character. Yeah, as well as helping carry the story sometimes when it starts to get a little when it starts to falter, um, which unfortunately and, does happen. Um, you know, with, yeah, especially with longer games. 
Yeah, I think he um I think I've seen a few numbers thrown around, but Ethan in his review mentioned around eighty hours, I think, which mm-hmm. I'm guessing is around the length of his playthrough. I think I've seen a hundred <laughs> before. It's a very long game with a lot in it. Um I, yeah, I can't and... do, I can't do that anymore. I'm I just maybe I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, beer's too old, monolith stuff. <laughs> Stop How making a long game. <laughs> um Ethan also mentions that it's got some technical issues, which is not unheard of for these Xenoblade games, especially in handhold mode, mode, because um, there's like a lot of yeah, a lot of little problems. But handheld mode is actually massively upgraded mm. in the third one, so that's yeah, that's good to hear because that that really was like that was like one of the main things I heard about the second game without having played it is just like how poor this handheld mode is. And how much I would definitely be playing in handheld mode primarily, or it's like, oh, it's like it's too much. Like, I, I should play it because I have it because my sister has a coffee. But I don't try it because every time I think about it, it's like, oh, the handheld mode's about to be awful and I don't really want to try it. Uh, well, um, well, well, that's the thing. I will, we'll, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later when you talk about your new Switch, but yeah, I'll be definitely interested in, in knowing if, if anything's better with the newer generations with the, the revised processes i guess internally they've got yeah sure um yeah just to kind of cap off ethan gave xenoblade chronicles 3 a 9 out of 10 which is a new score system for double mm. jump mm. so mm. using the normal like the i guess common 10 point scale mm. nowadays instead of the five point as has been um mentioned previously yeah and yeah so that was our first review on that scale yeah yep. so hopefully uh hopefully everyone uh, likes likes the new new type of review system. You know, we're all, we're big ones for feedback, but this I think was something that I guess would give provide a little bit more nuance for the for the for the readers at home. So yeah. that's the aim, anyway. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, well, the the next uh, the next story that went up on on the site was uh, Jake's uh, really really well put together recap of Gamescom 2022's opening night live stream. Uh, we obviously we we talked about it, um, and, and some of our picks throughout uh, the first part of last week's show, but this is like a handy, I guess, recap of the entire event. All the all the major, all the major um, announcements plus some smaller, some smaller news at the bottom as well. So, and, and all the trailers are there, nice and handy to to view. So please please do check it out, share it around. Let us know if you wanna you wanna see more of events uh more coverage like that in the future we always hit our always excited to uh to do things like that because um i don't know there's we don't do as much news as before but it's still there's still a charm to it i think for us on the back end (laughs) yeah yeah so it's like um if you want to know about any other games we didn't talk about last week because we yeah. did not, definitely did not go over all of them. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of curious to know how many games were mentioned or like uh, shown in the opening night. Live. Yeah, like because there, there had to be quite like a few dozens. <laughs> it definitely, like, definitely dozens. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, definitely dozens. I was, I was trying to count, but I'm like, yeah, that's that's not going to make for compelling radio or video. So let's. Uh, <laughs> It's not. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, well, um, that's going to do it for the, the articles that went up over the past week. Let's head on over and talk about the news from this past week. 
guess the 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 major story from the the past week, besides another one that you will talk about shortly, is that uh, Herman Holst, the head of PlayStation, like the worldwide. Okay, let me get his title right. Herman Holst, the head of PlayStation Studios, um, took to the PlayStation blog to announce that uh, PlayStation Studios has acquired uh, a new developer called Savage Game Studios and that this um, acquisition is uh, part of a, quote, a newly created PlayStation Studios mobile division, end quote. So essentially, uh, the developer... Uh, Savage Game Studios. Um, while it hasn't made any projects of its own just yet, it is made up of uh, alumni from uh, Insomniac Games, who, who are known for Marvel Spider-Man series and Ratchet and Clank, um, and also Resistance: Fall of Man. Uh, shout out <laughs> um, uh, Zynga, which people might remember as as uh, the creators of Farmville, and also the company where that guy who uh, remember. I forget his name now, but you know the guy who was the head of Xbox during the whole Xbox One on, always online fiasco. Uh, I forget his name now. Uh, yeah. He's he's gone. He's he went over there. Um, is and he then still there? I, I, I don't think he is. Now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, and no. and also from a studio called Rovio, uh, which uh, is most famous for its Angry Birds series. So there's a, there's a bit of pedigree there, especially on both the AAA kind of. <clears throat> console development side as well as the the mobile and online development side so that it should be it's it's some some good expertise coming into the PlayStation family now the important important thing to note and this is something that Sony wanted to make clear because just as when Sony announced that it was going to create PC ports of its most popular PlayStation games um Herman Holst wanted to make sure that uh fans knew that the company was um quote uh uh still uh, sorry that that he that the company was still going to be making quote amazing single player narrative driven experiences uh, and not just putting all its eggs into the you know the the mobile gaming basket now in terms of what uh savage studios is going to be savage game studios is going to be working on out of the gate uh, apparently the studio is quote already working on a new unannounced AAA mobile live service action game, end quote, which, um, I, I, like, maybe MAG is coming back. Maybe now's the time for MAG. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 2022. I was actually, I was actually thinking, because, like, people have, like, I saw a bunch of people, like, you know, thinking, yeah, MAG's, like, <laughs> like related to MAG, sort of. I was thinking about how, like, a lot of people were kind of, prof, you know, thinking about, like, all, all the potential franchises. Yeah, I was thinking like I probably won't be any of them because they'll just make something new that makes a lot of sense for the market. I don't know, maybe mm. not. But I was thinking it was like I bet like Killzone would do an okay job of like yeah. being a mobile centric sort of thing. And I, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like I was I was thinking about how PUBG Mobile, Call of Duty Mobile, even Apex Legends Mobile have been doing gangbusters. So I was thinking, what if this is how we get like a new SOCOM game? A free-to-play mobile SOCOM game, I think, could really work in the in the modern climate, um, especially with the PlayStation branding. And imagine earning trophies in that game, and you know, kind of linking into the the wider PlayStation, um, kind of like PlayStation Plus kind of family of products. There, I mean, I, I don't know. That could be something that could work. I think. Mm. 
Yeah, maybe. It's like, um, I was kind of surprised, like, seeing, you know, reassuring fans that the single player, like, the main console side business won't really change. And it's like, <laughs> I was surprised. That there I was surprised XP people up. jumped to, like, panic, you know, in that sense, where it's like, it's like every other game studio is doing this, aren't they? Like, yeah. they're kind of, you know. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, well, I think it's because. Well, I think it's because when the PlayStation announcement happened about the PC ports, there was a lot of kind of, I don't know why, but there was like a lot of kind of unfounded like backlash saying that, oh, you know, Sony's abandoning its loyal fans and things like that. It's like, you know, you know, Sony's a big enough company where it can do multiple things at once, especially because didn't Sony acquire, um, was it Nixus? It was, was it? Yeah, or, or was it Asper? Right. Yep. No, As- no, Embracer got Asper, uh, Aspire, mm-hmm. um, Nixes, which is a, like a well-known port house that that kind of specializes a lot on doing um, PC ports of of other games. Like, like so, it's not like Sony's taking resources away from like Naughty Dog or something. It's it's actually adding, it's like actually getting people to help with that. So it sounds like a similar thing here. Yeah, like they're just adding more like nodes to the overall network in a way mm. that doesn't really it only really extends their reach yeah there's no, it won't, no way it would really harm it you know yeah so it's, um, i mean like I, I i would hope that maybe nintendo might take a page out of this book and and start you know embracing modern technology and maybe acquiring companies that know what they're doing <laughs> I guess. I thought you were about to say making mobile games because I have no, been doing it. But yeah. It's like, um, oh, I did. I did notice. I was thinking when I heard this news. Like, I don't think it's like a new thought. Mm. I think, I, and I also think it's something that's very common in the tech industry. But I don't think I've thought of much with this, with games. Is the idea of that big, you know, big publishers, big companies like Sony, are like more willing to buy studios that exist. And not much more because I was thinking it's like maybe it's just all the work of actually putting together a team that you're confident can make something within a reasonable time frame is like oh, yeah. all the work. I was yeah. thinking it's like, is that like enough of a something where it's like if you got enough credits to your name, yeah, you've built a team that would like operate fine, you know, without really having much worry, it's just gonna fall apart in a year mm. for you know, whether it's egos or finance or whatever. It's like 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 it must be like in this current phase of the game industry where things are just, you know, all these big companies are just going on a spree of buying whatever they can to yeah. kind of shore up their wealth ahead of some sort of gigantic war that everyone seems to be preparing for. <laughs> um, that it's... The yeah, console wars are going to happen. That my head. <laughs> that's, that's just the thought that crossed my head where it's just like, oh, like they don't even have to, you know, prove themselves all that much now beyond... Yeah. Like they have, a, they have a proven track record individually, I mm. guess, but it's, you know... I don't know. I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. No. That that's that's um no that's that's a fair point there. But you know, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Um, I w- like maybe maybe Sony will kind of ease itself back into the mobile space because let's not forget, um, like PlayStation Mobile is is not exactly a a new name. Like there actually was an official Sony Xperia PlayStation phone like ten years ago, and there was also. And it, it it was it it literally um let me find it I'm gonna put up a picture but uh you 
basically slid up the phone screen. The exp- Okay, yes, I found it. It was called the Xperia Play. And I've got it on screen here for folks at home. But essentially, from the top, it looked like a standard Sony Ericsson mobile from like, you know, 2011, 2012. But when you, fl- when you flick up the screen, it reveals a D-pad, two touch two touchpads and the the PlayStation kind of icons. So it, it actually was like a like a kind of like like a hybrid between a, a Sony phone and like a a PlayStation I guess at that time would have been the portable because I think this was maybe pre Vita. So yeah, so it's not like Sony hasn't done it before. <laughs> so who knows? Is maybe that this like the PS Go, PSP Go. Yeah, that was also the yeah, the PSP Go was like the discless version of the the playstation portable um yeah yeah. that slid up as well i mean yes yes yeah that was kind of like the very compact kind of mini version of the the psp um but yeah who knows maybe maybe this will be the spiritual successor to the the ps vita we've all been we've all been yearning for i I forgot it's like there's also like a bunch of like canon games on the like nokia style phone game bro like god of war has like an actual yes. canon game that's it. i think it's like spyro and like ratchet and clank does like oh, there's a bunch of playstation ones yeah no so, no playstation put yes, money behind that those. <laughs> yeah uh well keep let's keep an eye on that and maybe we'll get a playstation phone again we can we can only hope yeah, yeah I hope so. <laughs> speaking of hope and you know things may be happening in the future. One thing that didn't happen was Amazon putting in a bid to buy EA. What what, what the hell happened over this past week? Yeah, this story started and ended before I noticed it happened. <laughs> I think it was while I was asleep. Um, yeah, so the original story was a report um, that Amazon were set to announce an acquisition of EA, yeah. like the entire company. This is also following a report from May um, from the new site Puck, originally where and being reported by Video Game Chronicles, Chronicle, uh, <laughs> Chronicles, never mind, <laughs> tangent, um, that EA had, quote, been persistent in pursuing a sale and had held talks with Disney, Apple, and Amazon and Comcast, NBC, Universal. I don't know mm. how they handle factor into EA, specifically that last one. I didn't read that entire line, even though copy pasted it um but yeah so last week there was yeah there was an, a report that amazon were about to announce this purchase mm. a few hours later i think it was very soon after yeah um it was confirmed by cnbc that quote there's nothing going on according to their own <laughs> sources so basically this acquisition wasn't going to happen yeah um, even even though it didn't happen ea stock ea's stock actually surged on friday um, after this had been reported, so it went up three point five percent in just in stock price. Yeah, just based on the speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not uncommon, I guess. That's just kind of how the, <laughs> the stock market works. Yeah, but it's um, yeah, and that's the entire <laughs> story. Is that... It happened very quickly because yeah. I remember seeing that. Like, uh, I think I posted. I think I found the late. Like, I saw it pop up not long after we recorded. As as is usual, not long after we recorded last week's episode, um, but it was it was kind of shaky from the beginning because it was it was it was published on USA Today's For the Win gaming column, but it was like one of those Forbes style 
partnered posts, which was originally it, it was from a like a I think it's a Swedish game gaming kind of publication called GLHF. You know, good luck, have fun. So it wasn't. It was like the USA Today publishing a piece from like a partner publication, and then apparently they didn't vet any of the sources. <laughs> and then and then CNBC came in and just like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's um, um that's that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, because I saw you like posted on Discord and then yeah. like it was like, you know, hours ago and then I went to check. It's like, wait, EA got purchased and then no. <laughs> it's already been, it's, it's already been debunked, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but one one thing that hasn't been debunked is Sony and Tencent. Um, putting a little bit more money into From Software. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, not not um. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, Sony and Tencent have basically purchased a little more each of um, From Software, the developer behind Elden Ring and mm. the Soul series, etc. Um, Sony now owns fourteen point oh nine percent on From From Software. Um, Tencent, which is by its From its Six Joy subsidiary. I feel like we're going to get a lot of talk of subsidiaries in the next few years. Yeah, hundred percent. I think yeah. about it. Um, anyway, Tencent now owns sixteen point two five percent of From mm. Software, and but the original existing majority shareholder Katakawa, um, they still own the majority at sixty nine point six six percent. Otherwise, this doesn't really seem to be much of a change um, from the announcement of the deal. Katakawa said From Software quote will aim to proactively invest in development of more powerful game IP for itself to strengthen from software's development capabilities, blah, blah, blah. It's basically saying they kind of invest more in game development and kind of expand, you know, you know, mm. intelligent way, I suppose, effective yeah. way. And yeah, otherwise, not too much to that. Just from yeah. software's growing and Tencent and Sony are part of that growth. Yeah, so expect... Um, who knows? Maybe the the next Armored Core is going to be like ray tracing and 120 frames per second and like ridiculous 3D rendering technologies or something because of all this extra extra resourcing. Who knows? Based on those like really blurry leaked images of in the Armored Core from a few months back, I think ray tracing would look awesome. <laughs> I would actually very much like to see that. Um, that would be kind of cool. It's it's but it's just going to be soul, a Souls game, but everyone's robots uh, in mechs. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm kind of curious. Imagine if it's not. No, we won't get into it. <laughs> and then there's going to be a metaverse where it's going to be all the all the From Software games together, like. But they're all going to be like, you're playing a mech in the Bloodborne world, like that version of like London or whatever, but with weapons from the Souls games, and with uh, everything with the same like kind of Japanese ser- Japanese samurai seriousness of Sekiro. Like it's just going to be. <laughs> it's a like weird... Avengers, except it gets rid of everything everyone liked in the first place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so you're um, so like Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. uh, anyway, so after anyway. that um, was the announcement that NetEase, the Chinese game corporation or just corporation in general, mm. um, has acquired Quantic Dream, the French developer behind Detroit Become Human, Heavy Rain, and so on. Um, yeah, so they haven't dis- disclosed the fee over this acquisition. Mm. Don't know how much they were purchased for. Um, Netties originally required acquired a minority stake in Quantic Dream in 2019. So mm-hmm. this is sort of a development of that. 
And this is also NetEase's first studio in Europe as part of their kind of Tencent-like, Embracer-like <laughs> spread across the across the globe um, to yeah expand their reach wow. and operations. So as part of the announcement, the um, Quantic Dream will, quote, continue to operate independently, focusing on creating and publishing its video games on all platforms, as well as supporting and publishing third-party developed titles, which is kind of a follow-up to news from last week's game co- Gamescom that Quantic Dream will actually be publishing mm. their first game yes. that is not developed by them. So, yeah, as well as supporting and publishing third-party developed titles, while at the same time leveraging NetEase's significant game development mm. capabilities. Yeah, I think that was Beneath the Waves, I think it was, right? Beneath the Waves. Under the Waves. Under the Waves, yeah. sorry. Beneath yeah. the Waves, that's a, uh, that's my spin-off. That's, I'm, work, I'm announcing I'm working on that myself. That's... Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's 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 all all it is is just I just put David Cage's head on the the main character in the game. That's all it is. Okay, <laughs> sounds worth it. Um, so uh, as part of this announcement as well, in response to the role of like uh, in response to the toxic workplace allegations that hit Quantic Dream a few years ago. Mm. So this in, for those who don't remember or need a recap. This included a culture of racist and sexist jokes. And this was outlined in three exposés in France across Mm. like three French media outlets. Yeah. And Quantic Dream actually sued these media outlets for libel in response to all this. And um, yeah, it was just a bad scene. A bit of a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. So in response to whether these allegations had much of a part in this acquisition, um, the co-CEO... Oh, damn it, another non... <laughs> uh, do you want it? Guillaume de Fondemir? Yeah, that, that sounded correct. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, Fondemir, he said, um, everyone familiar, quote, everyone familiar with Quantic Dream, its management, and our team perfectly knows what to think of these allegations. As a shareholder who had already audited our studio in late 2018, who had assessed all material elements and had followed all litigation outcomes, NetEase had a very clear view and could easily assess the absence of any material basis of these claims. They had thereby no impact on our discussions, which, yeah, I think is all just a roundabout way to say NetEase don't really care and they're not particularly invested in this aspect of the studio. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Because there was I a mean... report like a few months ago, which could have been totally wrong. I'm not saying it's like absolutely true. Yeah. There was a report like a few months ago saying that I think from Tom Henderson saying that the reason the Star Wars Eclipse announcement happened in the first place was to draw more studios, draw more developers to the studio because they've had like a mm. major lack of new like employees actually coming into the company since those allegations. Oh, so I'm not yeah, sure if that's true, true at all, but yeah. it kind of lines up with other studios experiencing similar things. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I think Ubisoft so, also copped a bit of that kind of workforce brain drain happening as well. But, yeah. yeah. Also French. Oh, so yeah. There's something in the French water. Well, just having a hard time. Yeah, well, that's of... the thing. I mean, you could say that a major company that has, you know, being a large company in China, potentially, you know, like a, a company from a country that is is known for skirting human rights rules not giving a yeah. shit about another company who's got human rights or like, you know, toxic workplace allegations seems consistent that they might not give a shit. 
as long as the money's yeah. there. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. um, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just so like, how is David Cage still there? Like, how is anyone still wanting to work there? If it's if it like from what the allegations sounded like, you know what I mean? Well, Crazy. There was like these quotes from David Cage because I think he had a review. Uh, interview last mm. week which i need to go over again but part of the quote like part of the quotes i saw from him was saying that like why would anyone keep working at quantic dream if they didn't you know enjoy work like he was basically refuting a lot of the allegations yeah. again even though i think a lot of them targeted him as well as the rest of the studio <laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't like he was yeah it's one of those things but it's um um oh i've got my train of thought but it's just like <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's also like, who knows? Maybe the ac- the accusations coming back up maybe affected kind of the price of the deal, and so it just you know mm-hmm. kind of worked worked in worked in Nettie's favor. So we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. I guess uh, the next um, the next uh, batch of stories are going to be a little bit shorter, but um. We'll go back and forth covering some of the kind of the the smaller stories that went up over the last week. So, speaking of uh, Ubisoft and some unfortunate news, we actually got a little bit of a reprieve um, from Ubisoft threatening to, I guess, not threatening to, but like Ubisoft actually announcing that it's going to decommission or, um, I guess, deprecate the online features of um, some of its older titles. Essentially, what that meant was. Um, if you had an older, like Ubisoft game that required you know multiplayer servers or multiplayer infrastructure to to function, they wouldn't work anymore. Um, also, uh, you would lose access to some single player DLC for games like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, Assassin's Creed Three, uh, the original release, uh, Far Cry Three, and Splinter Cell Blacklist. Um, so, like, it, it's it's never a good thing, um, but. Uh, essentially, Ubisoft updated the the kind of the article to say that hey, we've actually delayed the we've delayed deprecating or decommissioning these older services until October first. Um, they were actually due to happen as we're recording this, which is September first. So you've got an extra thirty days to, I guess, claim and add all the items to your account before you can't get them anymore. Um, uh, or play them. <laughs> yeah 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 um the other thing is uh let's see uh but um if you own the games that i mentioned before on pc and you activate the dlc before october 1st you can be able you can continue playing it it's just that you won't be able to get them in the future um uh but there will be no impact on the same dlc on consoles so um that's i guess good there's something positive um but uh the only exception is a game called space junkies um so uh that which is on pc including um for vr headsets like the oculus and htc vive is that oculus or is it just called meta anyway i'm gonna say oculus because meta is dumb (laughs) it's a dumb name (laughs) um so though the services for that game has already been decommissioned as of this recording um uh, and a small team at Ubisoft Mains 
is actively working on migrating Anno 2070's server infrastructure from the legacy systems to a new online system, which should mean that that game can remain playable going forward. Uh, at, at least. Yeah. Like I think specifically yeah. what they're doing is like they're making it offline friendly, yeah. you know, yeah. for all the features that require online stuff. Yeah. It's it's almost as if they didn't learn any lessons from SimCity or Diablo 3 like a decade ago. Hmm, maybe. I don't know. I'm just speculating mm. out here. <laughs> yeah. it's. A, uh, uh. I think I said it last time. If oh, Maybe I just said it to myself because I'm not sure we went over it when it was announced. Mm. But it's... um. I think we did briefly. But, okay, we did. Yeah, um, but it's like... It's kind of wild to me that Ubisoft would bother trying to like make back you know pennies on this kind of i mean i'm sure it costs some money to kind of keep a lot of this stuff going like but i don't know ubisoft's in a phase where they really need to regrow both their reputation and their kind of output you know like mm. really revive mm. it revitalize it but it's um and this seems like such a bad way to start that journey because it's gonna I know. Get yeah, part of it is getting players on side, you know, for and getting their trust back as a publisher. And yeah, kind of. I'm not sure if trust back. I don't know. I think they just lost a lot of people's faith in them making <laughs> good games. So the idea of them actively getting kind of, you know, losing access to their old games that you probably might have liked to play again, is just like it's not going to help any of that. But definitely, it's also, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a smaller part of their overall plan or what they really care about in the end mm. so i don't know yeah that's yeah you're right who knows like maybe yeah who knows maybe ubisoft's gonna pull an embrace and and say oh we're actually dedicated to preserving things we're gonna launch a separate like kind of online museum of all our classic stuff but i i seriously doubt that given how uh given the the wording of the announcement and everything like that um but uh, the next piece of news is that uh, there was a, f uh, not leak, but I guess a, an early release, accidental early release of FIFA 23 on Xbox. John, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, FIFA 23 has, there was, quote, intentionally, oh yeah, EA uh, confirmed that it, quote, unintentionally gave a small number of players access to a two-hour trial of the Xbox One version of FIFA 23, and that, quote, not all content was final. Either way, People got like certain players got like full access to the game for mm. some period of time. This included full access to the next incarnation of Ultimate Team. And it's, you know, I actually don't know what this involves exactly because I remember reading this news story and not having a full idea of exactly what leaked other than people having a yeah. first taste of so, so, the next one. Yeah. Cause it, cause it's that, you know, how EA, um, the EA play subscription or ea play ultimate i think you have you can get like kind of like early access to like the new releases and, and you can play for like a certain amount of hours so apparently this happened too early and that's that's how some of these players uh, were able to get access to the game and, and kind of kind of go through and even stream in some cases the the game on xbox one which to be fair is running the older game engine so a lot of the gameplay improvements and things like that you wouldn't be able to tell because that's all on the on the current gen versions, not the previous gen one. Mm. Um, according to Eurogamers reporting, they kind of mentioned that uh, 
the biggest part of this is that it lets it's let's players see kind of early ultimate teams ultimate team stats hmm. and like how powerful their quote baseline cards will be in this year's game so i'm not actually sure i'm still not sure exactly what that means without playing it um yeah. it also kind of has impacted part of their marketing cycle because it's yeah. um a lot of this stuff is very intricate in how things are revealed over time so the fact that that's been impacted is a bigger hit to not really players so much imagine it's just the a who really cares about that in particular but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, yeah but from the ultimate team kind of thing i think it what, it what it means is that you know players can get a head start before the market kind of the, the market goes live and maybe get a i guess because ultimate team is tied to real world in, like money investment that maybe that's kind of the danger there is that it's given people like extra intel that they can use to take advantage, you know, at the beginning, at the launch of the game. Um, okay. Yeah. Is Ultimate Team something, like, it doesn't continue on from the last one, right? Like, you no. have to, like, restart. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. So, I was kind of surprised. I know, I was kind of thinking, it's like, I wonder what people really care about. Knowing that, it's like, <laughs> the leak's still a big deal. I was just trying to think, of, I don't know. We're, we're not the we're not but... the target market for the news, for this piece of news, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, yeah. I still want to know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't want. Apparently, I want to know by just talking at you <laughs> and asking questions. <laughs> yes, me, the FIFA man. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the the next piece of news is, is also uh, some speculation, but this time from the world of Nintendo. So, uh, I, this is via Video Games Chronicle. Um, according to Giant Bombs, Jeff Grubb and Games Beats, Mike Minotti. Um, who uh, co-hosted the Jeff Grubbs Game Mess podcast this week, uh, they said that Nintendo is due to hold a, 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 a dedicated Nintendo Direct stream for um, the unannounced but kind of rumored Switch ports of The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, which were the GameCube and Wii releases of the Zelda games uh, respectively um, uh, this is this is a quote um, basically uh, well from what what grub uh, from what his source said um, is that uh, from from I guess the, the the thing to the speculation is that if it's going to be focused on Zelda it's not going to be a partner direct because those are dedicated usually to third-party developers and their titles Um uh, he would be uh, the Jeff Jeff basically made it clear that listen, even if we didn't get this news that this stream was going to happen, like for sure, um, from quote a pretty good source that the stream is going to happen, not not the coming week but the the following week, so the week beginning September twelfth, um, is that this would be around the time that we'd see um, kind of some news in the lead up to Breath of the Wild two. Um, the new, the next Legend of Zelda release, and this would be like a good way to hype up, um, kind of the, the the fan base in preparation for those. Um, quote, um, uh, and yet we have heard that, and we've heard other things again that the Metroid Prime remaster, that sounds like it's going to be announced at something like this. End quote. So there could be a potential like, maybe it's it's like a, a GameCube remaster like focused 
direct where it's just like pretty rapid fire saying you know twilight princess and wind waker hd coming out um and then we're also doing the metroid prime kind of remaster is coming out as well um you know maybe because because like metro prime 4 is still in the work so you know before we get like a full-on metro prime 4 reveal this could be like a way to kind of satiate the fan base over the next you know almost 12 months until the next summer games fest i guess um yeah what, what do you what do you think of john do you think this do you think that this could be could ring true oh uh, yeah it, it all makes sense I think the Metroid Primary Master has been one that, like, I'm not sure if it was just like pure speculation that's mm. taken hold or just the actual rumor, yeah, or leak, whatever. Is that Metroid Prime's remaster has been done for a while, yeah, <laughs> but and they had to kind of reboot Metroid Prime's fours development with Retro, yeah. So now it's just kind of been sitting there for a long time. But and Retro uh, is the original, is the developer of the original Metroid Prime trilogy, yeah. It's um, I know I'm, I'm kind of curious in a lot of because I played Wind Waker HD on Wii U, which mm-hmm. originally released. I don't think I have much interest in it again because it's it's a kind of a long game actually. Um, and that's Final after Princess the Wii, played. and that's after Nintendo went back and kind of streamlined a lot of the the second half, the like kind of the back half of Wind Waker compared to the original release. Yeah, yeah, the HD one's the better one. Like it's got a lot of upgrades. Yep. But it's um and Princess. I don't actually know a ton about Twilight Princess. I'm not trying it out. Like that's another game I rented from Video Easy. Just the name <laughs> dropped them again. Oh my god, and the I second week in a row. <laughs> I don't think it's second. I think it was like a week before. Oh, okay. But it's like um Still. Yeah, it was it was recent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's, uh, the one thing uh, I guess is that that was the one that was released simultaneously on the Wii. It was a Wii launch title and also came out on GameCube. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it was a launch title, or very soon after the Wii came out. And the main thing was that traditionally Link is left-handed, but in the Wii version, they literally flipped every all the assets so that Link is right-handed because because of the motion controls, they expect most players to be right-handed, so they wanted the motion controls to match the animations on screen. So, um, yeah. fun fact. <laughs> yeah, like I knew that already, but it's like it's still funny. It's still funny again. that they did that. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They only. I don't know. This is just me trying to like <laughs> drop like whatever connections I have to these games. But it's like with Metroid <laughs> Prime. Like I, the only time I've played it is because um, I have like the digital, um, digital version of the like Wii collection on either my Wii or my Wii U. It's on one of them. Mm. But it's like it's only controllable through um, the Wii motes, you know, like through motion control. Oh, it God. hurt my wrist so bad. Wow. <laughs> it's like. It really like it's like it doesn't control bad as that kind of game. It's just, like it's a, yeah. not a bad way to play it at all. But it's just like like I remember that's like the only thing I really remember about it because I can only play it for so long before my wrist start hurting. Yeah, because I, I guess <laughs> I'm like actually all pretty the, excited to replay it without that. <laughs> all the minute repetitive motions probably got must have gotten tiring. Like they, I can see that being yeah. a problem. Who knows? Maybe um it'll be exclusively for Joy Cons and you'll you'll re- get to relive. Your memories of Metroid. I guess the Joy-Cons are at least lighter. So. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah. Do you have much connection to either of them? Nope. Of them? <laughs> I wish, though. I, the, the the one thing I, I... I mean, I remember reading, I think, the, the... Like, borrowing from the library, the edition of Hyper Magazine that had the, the Wind Waker cover on it back in, like, 2003. Uh, I think it was 2003 that I saw it. Um, 
it would have been yeah i think like either yeah or or even earlier maybe even like 2002 but yeah definitely it's it's um definitely one that i i remember from like back then but um i never got to play it i really wanted to play the hd version uh but then i who had a wii u <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited like Me. i've I'm never finished <laughs> i've never finished a zelda game like i've never yeah i don't think i have either i don't understand people who and i don't understand people who can who can finish zelda games without a guide i always needed a guide because there's there's a lot of things that just weren't obvious or didn't make sense they just kind of like like i've restarted a link to the past multiple times and the furthest i've ever gotten was the ice temple with the zora princess and with ocarina of time the furthest i got was the water temple with the zora princess so i think there's a theme there like it's just uh, like uh, someone's your enemy like it's one of those things where it's like oh, okay um yeah you can get this like fire resistant shield or whatever you just got to throw your shield at this one random location you you gotta th- you gotta know that you gotta throw it into the water and then you get an upgraded shield. It's like how the hell am I meant to know that? Like where's <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. Maybe a modern maybe like Wind Waker on Switch might be a great way to kind of maybe it'll be the first Zelda I'll actually finish. But I don't know. I, the Metroid Prime games always look cool, but I, I the only one I've actually I think I've I've played like the first one and like you know you know the the kiosks they had at like Kmart or Harris Scarf or something back in the day. And then um, Metroid Prime, I think it was Hunters. Was it the one on DS? I remember there was one on yeah, DS. Right. Um, yeah, Hunters. Where you kind of like, um, you use the DS stylus as like your your aim and then you use the, your, your, the D-pad as like your kind of back, like your controls, which actually was a, a pretty, pretty good facsimile of um, like having a right analog stick for viewing until you had to access the buttons <laughs> yeah but yeah what about you that did you did you play uh, i guess you you yeah you did say you kind of hurt yourself playing metroid prime collection yeah that's but. my experience with metroid prime um yeah so just to kind of wrap up that part um grub said that he's heard from quote a pretty good source that the event will take place during the week beginning september 12 i'm not sure if you said that i did but um it's good to repeat it oh you did a couple of weeks so i don't think i heard it not this coming Um, monday but the following monday so that week middle of september Um, okay yeah hey why not it it's will that be before tgs or is TGS this week? I don't. Uh, I'm terrible with this. I stuff. think TGS is around that because there's yeah. something that's happening on the ninth or something around TGS. So mm. I don't know. Yeah. we really need to know this stuff. <laughs> well, speaking of um, TGS, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was about to say, like, speaking of entries in beloved franchises, or something, that that also know. works. That um, that that is also a good segue. Nice. <laughs> yeah, doing my job. Um, Konami has announced that. Um, they they have an they they've teased that they have an unannounced title at TGS <laughs> as part of their lineup um, is said to quote be an entry in a world love series. Um, so far, there's been rumors of, or like insiders have been kind of pointing to two series in particular with this this line. The first is Silent Hill um, from Video Game Chronicles Andy Robinson on Twitter. He said quote I've now heard from several people that a Silent Hill reveal may be sooner. Than I suggested in my story today. 
as we're all reporting on timings, I wouldn't take that as gospel, but fans possibly won't have to wait much longer. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, Jeff Grubb also said that, quote, I've now heard from several people that a Silent Hill reveal may be sooner than I suggested in my story. That's the same words. Uh, why have I got the same words? <laughs> Who knows? Well, he said he basically said the same thing. Yeah. He said it's like it's it's, it's consistent. It, it should be coming sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, the other game or series that was pointed to was Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. Um, this also comes from VGC and the insider Dust Golem. He's an insider who hangs out on Twitter and on the gaming forum reset era. Um, the quote from Dust Golem specifically says, "Quote." The thing I've been te- a bit teasing of, that's just the wording, and I know is 100% true, is Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3 are getting new remasters. Plans come to everything, including Steam and consoles. The plan is new remastered versions of Metal Gear Solid 1 to 3. You can buy them separately. Great. If you buy them together as a collection, you can also get Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2's, or Metal Gear's, Metal Gear 1 and 2's MSX versions. Yeah. Like the old one. Um. Well, yeah, and man. he said that he's had this confirmed more than once from okay. yeah, more than one reliable source. So what, what we need, what we really need, is a re-release of Metal Gear Solid Four because that hasn't left the PS3 hmm. ever. It hasn't been remastered. It hasn't been remade. Perfect. Nothing. Yeah, but it's like um, it's it's that bloody yeah, cell processor. They can't they can't do it. <laughs> It feels like one of those games where it's like it's such a like I know it's beloved and like like you know deservedly so, mm. but it's also got like every time I think about it, I think about all the grievances people have with that game and how if people when pe- if people play it again, they're just gonna I feel like all I'm gonna hear They'll about come back. is like not in that it's bad, just in that it's like it's got a lot of I don't know modern <laughs> like it's like it's, it doesn't really hold up as well i think like oh, okay. so many long cutscenes, so many like oh that definitely was the like, the pinnacle of yeah cutscenes. Yeah. but it's i don't know it yeah you're right though it needs mm. to that needs to come out again at some point yeah maybe it's just that difficult to do and because it's like it's because it's very difficult to emulate ps3 hardware because of that because of the you know i joked about the the cell architecture or whatever, but like the cell and the, I think it was called the RSX, like kind of graphics processor, like they're actually very hard to crack and, and, and kind of emulate well. So what, what people have been forced to do is kind of brute force the emulation. And, and that means that you need a pretty beefy system to run the game, like at like 1080 or so. But if you've got a capable enough system, like there's a digital foundry kind of video on, of him like running it at 4K, um, but it's like on like an i nine or something. So, you know, if you've got okay. the if you've got the the horsepower and the money, I guess you can make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, speaking about making things happen, uh, it seems like we've got a teaser for the next iteration of Xbox Game Pass. So, for context, earlier this month, Microsoft um, officially announced that it was testing a new tier of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate uh, in in Ireland. It didn't say which island. I just said Ireland. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, yeah, in Ireland and Colombia um, with that would allow you to, quote, add up to four people to the subscription or with their own unique access to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate games, contents, and benefits, and 
quote. So um, it seems like it's like a, uh, from what everyone speculated, it was like a family sharing version of it. And according to Video Games Chronicle, as spotted by a, a Twitter kind of known kind of data miner, data scraper, uh, by the name of uh, Alumia or Alumia underscore Italia, um, apparently uncovered some logo art for something called Xbox Game Pass Friends and Family, uh, which kind of con- is pretty consistent with what I think everyone was expecting. Um, I'm sure it'll. I-, I don't know why it's being tested out in in, in Ireland and Colombia. Like, cl- are they saying that those people have a lot of family? Like, they have more fam. There are more families in those countries than other places. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I think it's just like the way. Like, it's the reason that everyone like. All these companies usually like testing things in Australia because mm. we're like just this smallish market that I guess is kind of enough of a bubble to get a good reading on yeah. for other places. Yeah. So, and it but, doesn't uh, say which island it is because it's it, the Republic of Ireland and then Northern Ireland. But I'm guessing that the Republic of Ireland is what everyone thinks about when they think of Ireland. So maybe that's what Microsoft means. But I, I did not know there were two of them. I had no idea about that. <laughs> Not going to lie, I didn't really realize that until like a, a couple of years ago. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I just, just like, oh yeah, they're Irish. They're from Ireland. And then, yeah. <laughs> Isn't Ireland like a geogra- geographic So place, Ireland though? is an island, but it's split in half. I think, you know, after all the yeah. kind of the civil unrest in the, in the 80s and 90s, I think it got yeah, split yeah. down kind of I think Northern Ireland is part of the UK, whereas the Republic of Ireland is its own um, kind of sovereign nation. I don't know what to say. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, beer teaches John about <laughs> UK Ireland. Yeah. Either way, it's a good thing. Um, yeah. I don't think there's any inherent negatives to this it'll be interesting to see how it'll be priced compared to xbox game pass ultimate which is already like a pretty good deal if you kind of think about it i think that's like 15 15 a month um like which is i think in line with like the playstation plus premium tier like the highest tier i think mm. um in i Australia. guess sort of like you could probably compare it to because switch has it's like nintendo has their own version of yeah like a game family sharing sort of thing yeah so i guess it, you know that might be a good comparison point as well. Mm, mm. But, uh, but yeah, that's yeah. gonna. I guess that's gonna do it for the news. How about we? Uh, how about we move on to the general chit chat section of the show and uh, take a very short break. So, John, you got a, a new Switch, a new Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it's not. I got one of the OLEDs because I got a good deal on it during the Afterpay sale, which I think hit a few places on the internet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, like, having played it, I like it, but it's also like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have got it because it's like, no, yeah, like it really is like it's a, like it's a Switch with high-end materials. Yes. It very much feels like that. Yeah. Um, it's like it, it kind of spreads like um so yeah, just to kind of sum up based on my memories of it. It's got a better screen, 
it's got a bigger screen, which is like a it's is one it of those things bigger? where it seems kind of like it it uh you know, because the original switch has like the giant bezels. Oh so it like okay. fills out pretty much the entire space. Yeah. And it's a high quality OLED screen, so it's a kind of a better color presentation. Hundred percent deeper blacks and brighter. Yeah. Um it's got like stereo speakers in it instead of just mono apparently or like something there's like the audio speakers have been improved oh, which okay. I, did, I only learned about like not long before i bought it oh, um nice i think the like the actual switch part like that's not the joy cons i think it's like either using metal i think it's metal rather than plastic which is a small change but it's like i keep noticing it where it's like oh why is it so cold compared to usual <laughs> um but that's like you know it's just kind of and i think even the joy cons at least on my model they seem to kind of snap into place much more. I think they didn't change them. them. I think they didn't change the Joy-Con. I think it's just because you got a new uh, switch. I think because that was, okay. I think, a complaint about Joy-Con drift and stuff. The, I think the the plastic parts or whatever they're using the actual Joy Cons they didn't change, but they are white uh, now, and that is. Well, I thought I would. Yeah. It might have something to do with the model itself and how it clicks into place because oh, yeah. it really does seem much stiffer because it takes yeah. more work to get them off. But it might be that it's just new. Yeah, yeah it might be totally right there. That's just yeah. something I noticed. And um, what else? The Ethernet. You got an Ethernet port now. Yeah, so I've got I got an Ethernet splitter that arrived today actually. So I'm Ooh. gonna plug into the PS5 and the Switch. I better almost never use the Switch. <laughs> it just be good for downloads. But um, yes, because you know, like, yeah. the only reason I got it is because like I'm planning on getting Splatoon three. Yeah, and there's like a solid chance that doesn't happen. <laughs> like I still want to play it, but it's like it's then, yeah. You know, like every game I want, I want to play. So, um, but so for, what's that? So, are you given? Did you give your old switch to your 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 sister or something? Um, or did no, you trade the, it in? The current idea is this other switch will kind of live as a ring fit machine. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, <laughs> live as a, a ring that's fit. That's the plan now. Like, because it's, it's like, like a retired like... racehorse or something. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just pulling tourists along the Melbourne streets. It's just yeah, you yeah. Know. <laughs> We'll execute you for glue later. Oh no! Uh, don't it, say that. that poor switch. Yeah, <laughs> the Joy-Con um, drifted too I, much. <laughs> um, otherwise, I've oh. noticed a huge difference. You know, it's just kind of—it's yeah. about what you would expect. Just kind of a higher quality switch experience. With also, mine's yeah. it, the OLED's got better battery life. That yeah, was a big draw for me because I've got one of the original ones. I was going to ask battery life because you have an OG switch. I've got the refresh switch from 2019, um, so I was like, "Yeah, curious," because like I didn't know if you had the OG or if you moved um, from the 2019 to this. Um, so yeah, like how how have you found it so far, like battery wise? Oh, I haven't played enough with it. All I've played so far is like a little bit of Super Mario 3D World, which I started up to check out the colors, which like just to check out the screen quality. Yeah, um, I mean that's a good also, game to do that with. And Fortnite, which I think is actually not a bad test case for it. Yeah. It's like a pretty Very intense, vibrant. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like I meant more as in like a battery life though. It's oh, like, yeah. It's kind yeah. of... So I think I think my original Switch lasts like maybe 90 to 120 minutes on Fortnite, just playing it. I think it doesn't... I don't know. Okay. I, I never test battery life but like very much because I tend to, you know, walk away often from my games. Mm. So I'm not a bad like... I'm not a very good person to kind of like have a good sense of how long a battery would last but um it does seem to be quite a bit better because i played like what like half an hour of fortnite before bed last night ended up having like 15 percent lower than what okay, it started that's pretty with, good. which is like that's, 
yeah that's, that's like that's better than i remember yeah so yeah oh, fair enough that. yeah because um the, the other thing i um is the wider kickstand so the instead of being like a little plastic kickstand i think it's like and then taking up just a little part of the back it's actually the full length of the switch system yeah, itself it's like the um the what like the what i've seen it compared to is like the windows surface yeah the microsoft um, surface tablets. ones yeah, yeah. Definitely. But if you want more detail, go read Ben's review from yes. some time ago when it launched. Yeah, I kill have yeah, has a much more in depth review <laughs> of this than I'm gonna give it. Yeah, but it's like yeah, it's still cool. I'm not sure if it's worth the price unless you're like really upgrading from like even I was upgrading from like an OG one. Yeah, you know that's got like more things to upgrade. You know, and I'm still yeah. not very if, certain of it. If you've like, got a 2019 kind of one, probably not worth it. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. It depends on how much you play it, because I probably don't quite play it enough. I think part of what I was getting motivated by was like I got, um, as I mentioned a f- couple months or so ago, I got like a new 3ds. Yes. Like the you know kind of like to replace my old flat 2ds. Yeah. And like I kind of regret not getting one of those earlier because I like mine's clearly refurbished and it's got a lot oh, of okay. a little few nicks here and there it's like it's yeah. fine i pre- like the biggest thing is that i'm pretty sure the top screen's been replaced at some point oh okay because it's like a bit of a like it work again it works fine it's just kind of got this like nagging kind of like little um visual artifact on the oh, bottom okay. of the screen and it's like it's one of those things like oh what a yeah that's to get a definitely one, not the you know? that's definitely not the screen you want to have be replaced if anything no, like, well, I guess the, yeah. the top one's fine. Like, I think it's yeah. the bottom one that I'd be oh, more okay. worried about. Yeah, but it's like, um, but yeah. it's yeah. So, kind of like part of my thinking was like, oh, I might want an OLED later, mm-hmm. and I might not be able to get one for yeah. that isn't like sort of crummy by comparison. That's true. That's true. I guess that's the thing. Like fresh battery and everything. I guess the the main like just for context, when the switch so from the original switch to the twenty nineteen switch. Um, Nintendo shifted to a, a revised version of the the kind of the the I guess it's called an APU, so like the the, the chip that powers it, and because it was a revised version, it it had it could um uh had better performance for the same wattage. So even games like Zelda and stuff would actually run more consistently at a thirty FPS rather than you know the mid twenties or whatever the fluctuations were on the OG Switch. And alongside that also meant, you know, uh, less power requirements, so less less battery drain. And that's, I'd assume that would have carried over to this version as well. Um, so no, man, that's that's good that you, at least you've, you've enjoyed it so far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how I feel. It, yeah. it really is nice to have it just replaced and less feel like, you know, more sure of it, I guess, mm. as like a hardware to own long-term. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, so fair enough. Spe- speaking of Switch, I also played Splatoon 3's network test that was on the weekend. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the Splatfest preview, I think. Some It was called something like that. I was able to get a few games in. Networking seemed pretty... <laughs> I didn't try I didn't try to play very often. I, I was able to play a couple games. First game <laughs> went well. Second game, I was kind of confused on how to improve because we just got completely crushed <laughs> by oh, the wow. team. And then the next time I tried to play a game, I just couldn't log in for some reason. So I think there were network issues, which yeah. makes sense. Um, and that was my entire experience of Platoon 3. Well, there you go. To it. Yeah. Um, I also I'm started so playing. sorry. <laughs> that sucks, man. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. Like, I, I was able to play it a little bit. Like, that's more than I could have otherwise. Um, 
I started playing Rollerdrome, which I purchased that launch but hadn't tried yet. This is the game from Roll7, the developers from of Oli Oli, the Oli Oli series. That's kind of um, your kind of roller skating, except you're trying to shoot people in between Tony Hawk style tricks. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. It's very, it's I forgot it that is it kind of reminded me. It's it's really I really enjoy it, but it's also like I think it like a lot of uh, score attack style games like this. I have a hard time not being at least competent at it, so I don't like. It's kind of tough, basically, and like because it's kind of tough, making like a bunch of errors in a level just feels like oh, I'm just going to keep playing until I do it, do it at least decently and finish gotcha. it off okay. <laughs> but it is kind of tough regardless. Like it's oh um, okay. Yeah, yeah, so it's. Huh. I thought I it was a battle it, royale. <laughs> no. Okay. No, it's like a single player thing with sort of a um, satire of current, like modern day Britain in the background as you go between levels. What? It's kind of. It's like kind of like post apocalypse sort of this. Oh, not not post dystopian. Yeah. Presentation, but it's um that gotcha. aspect of it I I wasn't aware of. It's a like, post Brexit world. <laughs> Sorry, in a post-Brexit world. Basically, <laughs> I, I, that it probably is exactly true. I don't think about <laughs> Brexit much, um, wow. but it's yeah. So that's I, I enjoyed that. I need to come back to it because I played first through the first like quarter of it ish, but it, it really does get quite difficult for someone who's not especially versed in Tony Hawk style games at all. Yeah, but it, it is really fun. Gotcha. And lastly, I. Watch Top Gun Maverick finally. Um, you really liked it, Abia, from when yeah. you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I was um, fortunate enough to get to watch it in IMAX. So I think being in the crowd and, and just being really immersed in it with the sound and everything, I think it's a really well, it was like a really well shot and well edited, kind of well produced film. It was very, it was kind of like, it, it was, yeah, it just, it was a pre. It reminds you of a pre-Marvel summer blockbuster, but I guess winter, whenever it came out for us. What do you think? I didn't love it. <laughs> like, it, oh, wasn't, no. it wasn't bad, but it's like, it's like, it's, um, I know, I think like everything I heard like pre-release, like just kind of claim, I mean, not that they're wrong, but like every, a lot of the praise for it, like really built it up high in my mind. And then mm. I was like, yeah, I said before to you very confusingly, before we started that it's like it's very much a tom gun top gun movie and by that i mean i'm surprised at how linked to the original it feels oh like a lot of music a lot of like a lot of shared elements a lot of same shots necessary (laughs) yeah like it feels like it feels very much like a second half to top gun the first one oh yeah and i think um a sequel in its you know like it is a sequel but it's it's like it's like yeah I watched because I watched the original Top Gun the day before. I watched this; all of that was super fresh in my mind, and hundred percent. Even like the way the credits open, um, a lot of the shots, the kind of the the some of the color palettes and everything. It's there is a lot of shared Top Gun, and um, it definitely, definitely talks about like you know, there's there's like one to there's yeah you. I think if but you it's watch so this, corny, yeah. though. <laughs> like that's it something is, I couldn't get very, over a little bit. It's it is like, it's so like, sincere. 
<laughs> yeah, but like it's I don't know. Uh, I enjoy aspects of it a lot. I was I was surprised to kind of get into spoiler territory, I guess, a little bit. I was surprised by the mm. third act happening. You know, yeah. they have all the jet fighters, and then the last act is like them trapped in ending the territory for a second. Did, okay. Like, oh, this this part of the movie is surprising. I was not expecting that part. I just thought it would end with you know, oh, Maverick's dead. This is the end. This is the redemption, whatever part. And then there's like an, another like twenty minutes or so, like another act, sort of like a I don't, I don't know how to put it, like an epilogue, or is it just like that's the third act? You know, I the think, fourth. I, act? I guess it's the climax, maybe. <laughs> yeah. technically. I'm not sure, but it's um or like oh the resolution mostly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, somewhere yeah. around there in terms of story acts. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, I, I just, I don't know. I built it up much more higher in my head than I probably should have. Yeah. Even though I wasn't a huge fan of the first movie in the first place. Yeah. I just got, a, I just got the impression it was, I would like it more than I did, which is, yeah. you know, it's fine. I just yeah. wasn't blown away by it. But it's, um, <laughs> That's yeah, all right. You're allowed to feel that way. I'll give you permission. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I needed that. Uh... Um, Otherwise, uh, yeah, not a huge week for me. Not a huge, not a huge amount to talk about. But um, yeah. what about you, Avia? Um, well, I guess I can say that uh, I've been playing a lot of, well, not a lot, but I've been playing Guilty Gear Strive. Uh, I think after watching Evo, just kind of getting back into the whole um, kind of fighting game scene, and and like I'm, I, I love fighting games. I'm not very good at them, but I love them. And like Guilty Gear Strive is just a lot of fun, and it's like. I think they've, as far as I can tell, apparently they've refined a lot of the gameplay systems in Strive so that it is it is a bit more friendly to new, newer players to the series. It's still ridiculous and it is still like sort of like an anime. F- it's like kind of like a bridge between like a Street Fighter and what... And, and games like Grand Blue or DNF Duel or something which are referred to as like anime fighters where it's like... you can You can pretty much kind of like... You can follow along with a game like Tekken and Street Fighter. It still looks pretty kind of... Um, how should I put it? Like a, like You can follow the action much more easily in those games. But then when you get to a game like Blaze Blue or Grand Blue or something, like, then shit just becomes crazy. There's stuff popping off all over the screen. You have no idea what all these animations and things are happening. So like Guilty Gear Strive kind of like sits in between the two. Um, and like, like, for example, I love the fact that like... Um, you know, uh, when you, when you, um, there's a, there's a, like a very big emphasis on countering and stopping combos from like, you know, kind of just going on forever. Like you can, you can at any point press a, a couple of buttons and kind of interrupt the combo. Um, uh, and that's like a really good system. It's called the burst system. It's really cool. It means that, you know, even newbies get a chance to kind of take on people who would otherwise in other games just continuously just juggle you in the air and then you have you can't really do anything you know um but it's like whenever there's um whenever if someone releases like if someone unleashes an attack and you attack at the same time sometimes you get something called like a counter hit which kind of interrupts that person you kind of catch them off guard and it gives you the chance to kind of um, kind of get them back but like when you do that like there's a whole big like the word counter flashes on the screen and the announcer's like counter and it's oh, just yeah, like I love that like that's just it's just it's just cool like there's a lot of there's enough of the dopamine hit that it's fun without the kind of like overwhelming 
kind of stimuli of like other like uh, like fighting games in in that kind of anime style um it's got a very rock and roll theme like the soundtracks were really cool uh like before you start off a round it's it, like literally instead of saying fight it's like let's rock and like one of the main one of the characters she's a witch with a guitar um one of the other characters like the character i play is like a, she's a portuguese she's a she's a brazilian born secret service agent who protects the president but she has a, a pet dog that is kind of like her familiar and like she she like as your meter builds up she just like goes and does extra damage she goes into like this extra state there's a an african cyborg ninja with a sword that you know demands blood sacrifice in order to like stop him from dying basically um there's it's like a vampire with extra steps pretty much right and then there's like um you know there's a there's a there's a girl called may who is kind of like the meme, kind of like the main meme everyone would have seen when the game came out. Basically, she's part of the jellyfish pirates. So it's a it's a oh. it's a group of pirates from who fly around in giant a, uh, airships that look like you know what we'd expect to see, what pirate ships look like. Um, and but there's like she she fights with a giant anchor, um, and she has a dolphin, a pet dolphin that she can summon and like attack with it's just like it's just like ridiculous things like that that i just love about it um it's it's like and everyone's yeah, I never kind got of got the handle on her when i played because i played excerpt a bit yeah and like she's one of those characters i couldn't really get a hang of much at yeah. all <laughs> yeah so like I, i've been playing as giovanna because i was like oh she's the new character in this game she's kind of like a she's what's called the rushdown character where like she's the character that really does well getting in your face um like she doesn't really ha- she's kind of she doesn't really have too many kind of like super high end kind of like punish like kind of really big moves that some of the other higher like characters have but she's like a great way to kind of get in like a great character that's a bit beginner friendly but i think it's just the idea of like a secret service agent with a fighting wolf like or like dog familiar is cool um yeah it's the main character's name is Soul Bad Guy, which I think is like a fucking awesome name for a character. Like it's a it's a really fun game and like a few weeks ago when I had my friends over, like I had a couple of mates over and we just played Guilty Gear Strive like for hours. Like it was just and because all of us were kind of like new, like we all had fun because we all just were at similar skill level and and we could we were actually learning and and kind of getting better as we played. It was just a lot of fun. Um and I I I went into the the online and the online is like I think the the netcode it uses that rollback netcode that we talked about last week or the week before like kind of the the best type of netcode when it comes to fighting games and yeah I, I can say that the the quality of the connection is really good. Um, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about online actually because yeah. apparently everyone's playing Bridget right now. Oh yeah, that's of like yeah I think of the two people I was like I was like playing on like I think like a Friday afternoon, like a Sunday afternoon maybe or something. And it was like, there weren't that many people playing. Um, but yeah, the two the two people I would get um, paired up with were Bridget, both Bridget characters. One was like a high level person who was just like, it was just fun getting my ass kicked. And then one was much more lower that like I was a bit more closer to. But it was still mm-hmm. funny. Like her thing is like, her character's like got a, 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 
a yo-yo that kind of like unleashes light attacks and then and then she's got like a pet teddy bear that also has explodes and stuff so yeah it's um very interesting very interesting game <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah uh it's a lot of fun so and, and i'd definitely wholeheartedly recommend anyone at home who is kind of looking for like a fighting game then and maybe tekken or street fighter is a bit too kind of mainstream and something like grand blue fantasy is a bit too crazy and you're not really a fan of like a platform but, yeah i think it sounds yeah. like a good option in the sense that as i understand it tekken has bad net code and also no one's playing grand blue right now yeah yeah so it's like so this is like a good medium yeah, it's like it's got a healthy player base and it's being supported currently. Yeah. And it's got rollback. So yeah. But it's got a weird lobby system. Like you basically create an eight bit <laughs> version like you basically create an avatar in the style of the sword and sorcery game. Like is that weird elongated eight bit fake eight bit kind of art style. <laughs> and then yeah. you kinda of like walk around lobby. Like you literally walk around levels of a building and that's how you like you can match against players thankfully there's also like a quick match option because i'd be so annoyed if i had to like literally walk over to a, a character like an avatar and wait for them to finish their match just so that i can tap them on the shoulder and be like hey do you want to fight <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's so fun <laughs> yeah the the last thing i want to talk about is that i watched um the so there's a new gundam anime that's coming out soon it's called Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. Uh, and basically what um, Sunrise, the production company behind uh, Gundam, released the a, a prologue episode for free on its YouTube channel. If you search Gundam Info, um, you'll actually find that on the, on the... You'll actually find that YouTube channel. And the good thing about that YouTube channel is what it does is Sunrise actually kind of does like this rotating Disney vault style thing where it makes a, an older or like makes like an entire series of Gundam free to watch on its channel without ads. I mean, oh, okay. like as in without its own ads. I think there's obviously the YouTube ads if you're not a premium subscriber. But it's cool because then I think so like it'll rotate between like older series and sometimes it'll play series that you can't actually watch on Netflix or like Crunchyroll anymore, so it's it's kind of mm. cool that way. But yeah, there's the the the, the prologue episode has, is went up. I think maybe yesterday, earlier today, as of this recording. I watched it today. Uh, it's really uh, it's it's like definitely got me hooked. Um, it's it kind of sets up kind of the the conflict that you kind of walk into. So um, it's like a prequel. It's set like a few. It's set a number of years before the actual anime series, where the main character of the anime series is still a child, and this kind of sets up, you know, what happened to her family and put her down the path of, I guess, like you know, whatever the the typical kind of new type pilot story where she, a, a new type in the Gundam lore is basically a time of a type of evolved human that that can adapt to living in space or and that can that generally has a kind of superhuman kind of ability to pilot a, like a Gundam which in this oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah it, it legit it's, it's called a new type yeah it's oh, no, the, no the part where it's like you need to you need to be a certain type of person to like, build a robot yeah basically the, the new types are like able to pilot Gundams to a level that other people can't like they just have oh. that kind of superhuman kind of connection to their mechs and yeah and, and this one kind of 
uh, like kind of alludes to that very early on. So it's kind of cool. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a uh, definitely. I'm definitely going to be watching it whenever that launches. I th- I'm trying to see if it comes out October. Okay, it's it's due every Sunday from October. Um, okay. Uh, okay, cool. So how, I guess you'd you be. Compare- yeah. Oh, mm. How are you comparing it to the other series you've seen so far? So, I loved Iron Blooded Orphans, which was the okay. Mm. <clears throat> so, <laughs> sorry. So over like the the <laughs> most two the most two recent Gundam series were was um, Mobile Suit Gundam Reconquista in G, which was the which was one that was made by the original creator of Gundam it was kind of like a very massive letdown. A lot of people didn't really like it. I think some of the mech designs and stuff were cool in it. The story's very silly. They basically, the the central plot to that is that there are two types of humans and one type of human is basically considered like cattle. But they look and act like everyone else. But somehow they're a lower breed of human. Um... So therefore, there's like obviously some internal conflict there within the the powers that may be. Um, that came out in like 2014, and then in 2015 there was uh, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, which is talking about how, like, basically a group of orphaned kids on Mars who were literally referred to as human trash. Uh, basically, they're they're working for this like kind of corrupt mine operator. And then the the government on Earth comes to invade Mars, and then these kids are basically caught in the crossfire. One of the kids uh, steals a, like a prototype, or like a really old Gundam, comes to life, kind of fights off the the invaders, and then like you know those kids get together, form like their own kind of mercenary group, and they you know kind of fighting for survival and for peace. And it, like the first season was really good, the second season kind of fell down. I think it there's uh like there's literally one of the one of the the characters motivations is to have just is to have the child of the main character like that's literally her entire motivation in the second season is that it's like mm. it's like really problematic so yeah the good thing about this one is that this is the first ever Gundam series that is being that has a female protagonist and like even in like the prologue episode, like kind of the the science organization that are developing these new Gundams is predominantly run by women. Obviously, from what I've seen, the polit- the actual po- political leaders and the rival faction are run by men. So that's the 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 premise of this is that you know in this in this alternate timeline, Gundams exist. However, using the Gundams causes like f- physical um like suffering like it causes like infection to the person like whether it's like some sort of you know poisoning from the electronics or something like that and they're trying to and then this group is desperately trying to find a cure for that and things like that and then yeah um uh, that's about all i'm gonna give away here but it's a really cool kind of different take on the premise and it, it has a lot of the the kind of the essential gundam kind of things of like you know really cool mechs a conflict between like a, uh, like a group on the run and like a more kind of well-funded like kind of more sinister group um you know uh kind of kids being thrown into a situation where they have to adapt very quickly and kind of fight battles and stuff so it's got a lot of the tropes of gundam but 
it's beautiful animation style. The mech designs are really cool. I, I I'm legit want to order the the kind of the hero mech, the hero design as like a gunpla. You know the plastic kind of model kits. So this yeah. is definitely um definitely something that I'm going to be watching come next month. Okay. That and Spike's family because apparently that's coming back next month as well, the second oh, half yeah. of the season. Ah. Oh. It's gonna sound like a weird question, but it's like I was thinking, like I thought of it this week again about how much I really love a certain Zoids series. Yeah, there's a few of them. And there's a certain one I watched as a kid that Chaotic Century or really Z- oh, which one? Zero Century. Zero Century. That was the one that's like kind of set in the the pre. It's kind of set in the before times, like the golden era or whatever, right? I know, like set later, isn't it? Because it's like it? when every all the wars finished. Oh, okay. Because there was one with um, Zeke. Was that Chaotic Century? Oh, maybe. Remember, remember there was, was a dinosaur? The dinosaur Zoid. Because it's the one with the white girl. Liger one. Oh. oh anyway. Okay. Because I, I love I Zoids. Any, yeah. I was going to ask if there are any like sports drama, sort of competitive themed Gundam at all. Because like, I actually really like that aspect of Zoids. Uh, you would probably enjoy, I think, Gundam SD Bat. I think Gundam Build Fighters. It's basically like it's set in a world where there's like virtual reality fights using kind of like Gundam play kits. So, but like <laughs> it gets super competitive and it's like kind of the the sports. So whereas like if if you think of like regular Gundam being like kind of the fate of you know space col- colonies and like this civil wars and like big political intrigue i think the gundam i think it's build masters or build fighters though that series is more kind of that sportsman kind of like rivalries and and things like that but there is always a rivalry between the like kind of the the main pilot of the like the hero the protagonist and the kind of ruthless military like kind of very royal kind of you know like there's always that blonde haired bad guy who's like super handsome and just like a super talented mech pilot and then now they're coming across this new upstart who's got the you know it's it's it there's always a bit of that as well um mm. okay maybe yeah i was, I was thinking well i was like if in case you have seen it the one the zoid season i'm talking about is the one where it has like the white liger and he has like different like versions that he attaches to himself like the green and blue one mm. and the orange one i don't know like outfits basically they give him different abilities uh, Ligo Zero. Liger Zero. I'm trying to think. Because, uh, like, I, I loved the Zoid series when I was a kid. Um, but, obviously, because of the way things were, like, I think they didn't show all the episodes properly. And yeah, because, yeah. like, Zero Century doesn't have any, like, high-quality versions at all. Yeah. I, I bet that's true of a lot of them, actually. Like, there's no way to watch it. Yeah, so I think... um. Yeah, I'm just trying to think because it was news because it was chaotic century, new century, and zero century. Um, but yeah, Zoids. yeah, then there was Fusors, which I what was that? Was well, is that is that a spin-off? <laughs> it, was like a, it was technically, I think it was a, a follow-up to zero, like the one I like, zero century. Gotcha. But it was like kind of a, this weird, and I remember reading into it where it's like it was done really cheaply on the production side, so a gotcha. lot of it just falls apart. In terms of, anyway, it doesn't matter. I was just thinking about that, and it's like, oh, I wonder if Gundam has something that can scratch this Zoid's itch. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I think the ones that I had seen was Chaotic Century and New Century, because they would have been airing when I was like of that right age for it, like when it was oh, on right. Cheese yeah. TV, yeah. Toasted no, TV in the morning. <laughs> the um, Zoid's Zero Century came, yeah, definitely came after. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, because I watched. I remember watching a little bit of the war one, like because I think it was at some point where that that specific show, like that se- those seasons, were airing at like the worst time to keep up with. <laughs> but I remember not really taking to the. I don't know. I was too attached to the the one I'm. I like. I don't yeah. think I like the war time as much. I just um yeah. What is it? Zoid's Zero Century. No. Ah, oh, so Zoid's New Century is the one. Oh, New Century. So there were there are only two types. So Zoid's Chaotic Century is the one that aired when I was watching it. And then I think Zoid's New Century, the one you're talking about, started after. That was after. Yeah, New Century. It was produced. So I think Zoid's Chaotic Century was the first series in Japan. And New Century was the second one made in Japan. But then the first series to be dubbed in, in, um, in, in the West was New Century. Which is weird. So that's why, like the, like I I remember bits and pieces of both because I remember like in New Century, like was there a Red Liger? Was there originally like I feel yeah, like there was, was yeah because I remember that like the main character had the red jacket like he was part of like some mercenary group or something and I remember like them attacking base military bases and stuff. Whereas the Chaotic Century is the one where um where the main character Van discovers Zeke, which is like an ancient dinosaur Zoid, who has the ability to kind of, when he goes into any other, basically he finds like a derelict old Liger that's been abandoned. And then when Zeke goes into that Liger, it transforms into like a renewed blue Liger. And then there's this moon girl who has a connection to the Zoid somehow. Maybe she's a Zoid human hybrid, which I don't even want to think about. And I remember there was a sad episode because it was like, a dinosaur zoid in like an ancient temple and its human went away on a mission and promised to come back but the human owner died and that dinosaur zoid has forever stayed on patrol and every day waits for his owner to come back like that was like that was like really sad like as a kid i remember that being very like kind of wait that's just that japanese tale that like that one about the shiba inu probably yeah i i think that but as a zoid (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> as a dinosaur zoid. Because <laughs> yeah. let's um, be honest, uh, I, I think a sh- I didn't even know what a Shiba Inu was back then, but I did know what a what a what a Liger was. <laughs> <laughs> you got the right lesson, dude. Anyway. Zoids are um, cool, and they had like the. It was like one of the first anime I saw that had kind of like the. It was like kind of it was like three D models mixed with anime kind of backgrounds. So yeah, it was, it was like, so least, cool. Yeah, like it's done well, you know, for yeah. that time period especially. But it's like for uh, any since time we've period. got time and I might as well get into it. Uh, it's like <laughs> I really like I really like New Century. I'm sure I've seen it set as Zero Century. That might be the Japanese name like, to be fair. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because I but watched like, it um, in, in English. Yeah. But it's like the one um I like because I've seen it a couple of times since I was a kid because I got like I I think I like ripped video files from one of those anime sites because you can't watch it elsewhere like there's yeah. literally nowhere yeah. else yeah um <laughs> and they're all low quality <laughs> but it's um ah yeah, yes I'll, I'll tell you why real. zoid's new century i think is english and then zoid's new century slash zero was kind of like the japanese translation oh, okay. apparently it's got a good it was rebranded to... as zoid's new century for um english right that makes sense yeah. Because the Liger um, Zero was the name of the, the the mech, like the the hero mech. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Please. Um, <laughs> what I wanted to say though is like, 
one like the part I've rewatched a few times is like mm. the last like six seven episodes is like a tournament arc. Like it, it's huh. really self-contained, and it's like there's no way I'm ever gonna do it. But I keep getting in my head. It's like man, I actually wouldn't mind trying to edit that into like a full movie because <laughs> it would really work as one. Like it's really good. <laughs> like it's like um they, that like last stretch, like that last arc of the anime is like really strong, and it's like it's such a good. I don't know. It like it's defined a lot of my taste in that kind of genre. I think, like in sort of sports drama e anime sort of stuff, like those kind of stories, because it huh. does it quite well. But it's yeah. Anyway, that's. <laughs> I just wanted oh, to man. ask if there was anything of little like yes, that New Century. Yeah. Yes, the Blue Liger. Oh my god. Oh my god. I remember the opening and everything. Is that the one where it goes? I don't know if that was you. But it's like, no. and oh. regulations. Can you hear that? Yes, yes. Zoids are competitions held on enormous battlefields. Yes, that was um. Yeah, that, I remember that's that. the yeah. Because it was because chaotic century. I think is when the war's happening, and then new centuries, like set after that. Um, yeah, like that's yeah. what I was asking. It was like, oh, does yeah. Gundam have like a post-war competitive scene? Oh like, yeah. Like, oh yeah, actually. Maybe because like there are so many different Gundam series that like I, I maybe there is, but I do know the Build Fighter series is the one that I'm specifically thinking about. Yeah, sure. Build yeah. Fighters. Yeah, if you like that kind of like that rivalry. Yeah, Gundam Build Fighters. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. I think the name um, of the yeah, Allah. Uh, yeah, and it's only it's only one season, so you might even maybe try it. <laughs> maybe watch. Are many of the Gundam like series like long? Most of them are like, well, well, like the original kind of Gundam arc, which just ended like last year, started in 1979. (laughs) Well, it was like Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam, then Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, Mobile Suit Double Z Gundam, and then there was like Mobile Suit Char's Counter-Attack, which was like kind of like OVA. And then last year was like Mobile Suit Gundam... I forget what it's called, but it was like it was like kind of like the setup of that original arc. But then all the other kind of Gundams are like their own arcs, like Gundam Ten A, Gundam Gundam Unicorn, Gundam W, which which I think is separate to Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing was probably the big one that everyone knew in the nineties, because that's like if the original Gundam was like nineteen seventy nine, early eighties, then the next wave of Gundam fans was like kind of um, Gundam Wing in the nineties, and then. 2000s might have been like Gundam Seed and then like 2010s would have been like you know Gundam Zero and onwards so there's definitely like quite a few different ones and so uh, I, I I the first one Gundam the Mobile Suit Gundam from 1979 is sort of like Godzilla in terms of it's like a commentary on war and, and its effects on civilian you know it deals with things like PTSD the loss like you know um it's yeah there's there's a lot of kind of things there um that the thing about gundam is that a lot of the themes in gundam have been echoed in other series or been emulated in other series uh so you, you might see like a few things you might notice there same way like jojo like you might notice a lot of tropes from jojo are like in other things as well <laughs> um, this is reminding me as well that i really wanted to dig into sentai stuff 
I yeah. call it Power Rangers. Because like <laughs> I watched like an episode somewhere, like I saw recommended to me of like an old, um, one of the old shows. Because it's like the same thing where there's like all these individual series that don't connect to one another. Yeah. Um, which is why it, what it reminded me of, and I was like thinking, like I watched like an old episode from of what show is this? Super Sentai Jetman. Oh, okay. Trojan Sentai Jetman. Okay. I don't know quite how old it is, but I think it's the <laughs> 90s. But I watched sure. one that someone recommended as like a, it was like their way into the season. Huh. And it's just like, it's so different compared to Power Edge. It's like, and it's very, I really child, like it reminded me of like when I tried watching Kamen Rider for like a week and then I completely forgot about it. What? It's like, Kamen Rider, awesome. what's that? It's also Sentai. Oh, it's like, okay. You know, like, gotcha. It's like a bug themed sort of <laughs> Earth Defense one. Force type. I'm thing. not actually sure how else to. Describe. Well, that's no, the thing. Like, he's not fighting, and like he's like the actual suit is bug themed. Oh, okay, like it's kind of like got its own thing. Well, it. I guess for people at home who may not be familiar, the Sentai slash Super Sentai series is what the Power Ranger series in the West is kind of based on. Essentially, what they did was they took uh, the kind of mech scenes and and some of the the fight scenes from the sentai the original sentai tv show in japan and what they did was they interspersed them with new live action footage that they filmed specifically that showed like kind of the you know the 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 american high schoolers and like kind of their like personal lives and stuff and then when it came to the action like it would be cut with like footage that's why you'd always see like weird footage of them like kind of flipping through the air out of nowhere. It's just like it's like a transition to the to the like the the Japanese footage. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's amazing how yeah. well it holds up. Like yeah. just watching it, like because there's one. Oh, I don't remember what it's called. I feel like it's just because the words in my head, but I think it, like one's called Kamen Rider Zero. That's like a short film. That's like thirty minutes or so. That one's really amazing. But like um. I know a lot of it holds up better than you'd think, like better yeah. than I would think, considering my my, because I already I was aware that it was meant to be good. It has its own Western fans that. So Kamen Rider Zero is new, like it's. Okay, it must be called something else then. Oh, okay, but it's um, I'll I'll actually I'll look it up just so, might as well. I've got it listed in my, uh, that. film yeah. journal list thing. Kamen Rider Episode One. Okay, this is definitely this is from the. Oh, Kamen Rider 70. Zo. That's what it's called. Uh, Kamen Rider Zo. That one's really, really good, but it's um. <laughs> oh my god, these anyway. are actually available to watch by Toei. The rights hold actually released this. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it's available for free because it's like uh, with Sentai, like the old shows that yeah. you can watch them for free on ShoutFactoryTV.com. But you need a like a US VPN to watch. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. But some of these are on YouTube. I can see now. Yeah, a lot of that's them so well. cool. Oh my god, this like, is so like, cool. Because the one episode I watched, which I really did come back to it because I enjoyed it a lot, but it's like, um, one episode I watched is like, they're all like adults with yeah. like adult lives, but it's yeah. not like too dark or anything. It's just yeah. kind of relatively mature and all the ingredients, like it's like a, like a local Japanese production where yeah. you can kind of see the seams <laughs> of it all, Yeah. but it's like, it's so endearing and it works so well. Yeah. Anyway, like it's not. I know it's, it's such a that's so cool. I don't think I'm. De- it's funny. It's like I'm. Not, I feel like I'm describing something that's like not novel to anyone else <laughs> necessarily, because <laughs> yeah. it's like it's so old and it would be so well known to certain people. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, anyway, it, talking about Gundam reminded me because I, th- I, I think, I think, the Sentai. I could be wrong in this, but I believe the Sentai. 
um, kind of live action kind of movement was inspired by the Ultraman kind of manga as oh, TV yeah. show from the 60s. So it kind of makes sense. Like if that was like the anime kind of thing about, you know, a man who's got like a, a super powered mech suit and stuff, then yeah, that I, I imagine that being um that informing the Sentai, like just taking that, you know, forward. Um, that reminds me of like Hideki and Anno's like Shin Ultraman is... I need to figure out how to watch that. Is that the <laughs> one sure that was I... on Netflix? Was that not the Netflix reboot or is that different? No, that that's a, another thing. This is like a follow-up to Shin Godzilla from gotcha. a few years ago. Yeah. Gotcha. I've got to stop mentioning things. <laughs> clearly, clearly we know so much, therefore we should spread it everywhere. But <laughs> I feel like knowledge is like a generous way to describe what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, how about we, uh, how about we close it off? Uh, close up this part of the show. As always, Double Jump Radio and DoubleJump.co itself is made possible thanks to the support of our wonderful members and patrons on Patreon and through the site directly. You too can support Double Jump Radio and Double Jump as a whole uh, by going to DoubleJump.co slash memberships or Patreon.com slash DoubleJump and uh, signing up today. Um, John, it's been uh, any time we get to talk about Japanese. like uh, Every time we get to talk about anime, especially old anime, is always... Always, always fun. <laughs> Any excuse. It's a loud, rambly mess. That's fun. It also gives me an excuse to find the most, like, l- stupid-looking thumbnail for the for the show art. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, you know, you're yeah. an excuse to get some Power Rangers. Some thing. Power Rangers or Zoids or whatever it is that we we're gonna gonna remember from this I episode. I think Power Ranger will be the most misleading. Yes. <laughs> yeah. To anyone who didn't listen to the end. <laughs> yeah. We're like, what what does this have to do with Tencent buying like, buying more shares in from software? <laughs> I'm sure it'll make sense eventually. <laughs> that's uh that's true, that's true. Well, that's gonna do it for another episode of Double Jump Radio. Thank you to everyone who's listened or watched uh this week's episode. As always, go to doublejump.co to watch, listen, and read all of our awesome content. And feel free to like us and share us around on social media. And until next time, everyone at home, please have a wonderful week and look out for one another. Peace. See ya. (laughs) I love it. But yes, definitely. Go watch the prologue episode. It's out now. (laughs) 